And that, Father, as, we, you're, as we've worshipped, as we just come around your word for a moment, that, God, you do would give us incredibly something to walk out of this building and saying, Father, that's what I've got to do. That's where I've got to go. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, minister. Uh, Lord, even besides what I speak, that, Holy Spirit, you'll speak in Jesus' name. And everyone agreed, said? Amen. Fantastic. You may take your seat. Hey, thanks, team. What a great team this morning. I love that acoustic sound this morning, Stu. Brilliant. Give him a hand. Give him a good hand. Woo! Wonderful. Can we please turn to Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 to 11 today? We're going to release all the young people, the YPs, to, of course, the uh, group that just meets. That's for 12 and 13-year-olds. Jeff is, will be with them. He's going to take those ones out. That'd be brilliant. Thanks, Jeff. All our young 12 and 13 year olds. Just so you know, sometimes you may wonder where my wife is. Um, she wants to be sitting there this morning. Unfortunately, one of the uh, children's church teachers got sick this morning, and so she's filling the gap. Um, when you see her, you just think, she's an incredible woman. She she hasn't been to church for weeks. She comes every Sunday night, but she just loved to be here. Uh, but it's just sometimes the needs are greater, and she gives herself. And I appreciate Thank you for so many of you who do that. It just serves so diligently. So other people may come to Christ, and other people can be one into his kingdom. We appreciate that. Um, have you got Matthew chapter 7? One of us. Thanks, Ben. Just one. Anybody else? Are you there this morning? Come on, church. Matthew 7, 7 to 11. It says, ask and you shall what? Receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks received and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man, in, let's just say men or women because it's generic. Is there among you who if his son or even his daughter asks for bread will give him a stone? And that's true, isn't it? If you're a good parent, you're not going to give, if they ask for something good, you're not going to give them something bad. Or if he asks for a fish, you'll give him a serpent. Uh, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, isn't that lovely, how much more will your heavenly Father be a father to you? How much more will your heavenly Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? You know, uh, this morning, God gave to David what his father, his natural father couldn't give him. His natural father loved him, prayed for him, cared for him, but his heavenly father could only heal him. And that's what our heavenly father, he gives better gifts. He gives more gifts. He's more wanting to do things. Are you convinced this morning that we serve a good God? Because he is an incredible God. He's an incredible God. One of the, I want to be honest with you, over my Christian life, sometimes the way that God responds to us or the way that God seems to give us answers or, or directs our lives can sometimes seem like a little bit of a mystery because there's things that I've been praying for or asking or believing for and sometimes there's, lots of, there's some things that still haven't yet come to pass. They're still yet to come to pass and I'm kind of, I, I, maybe you're like me, but I like say, God, when? When would that happen, God? You know, uh, and, you know, uh, and there's things, and sometimes the truth is, is that his, his directions seem a little vague, or, God, what, what am I to do in this situation? Or, what, what am I to, how, what guidance have you got? Or, and it just seems sometimes a mystery. Other times, I've discovered that God, 
has been quite quick to answer, or there's been direction, and there's been blessing, or there's been provision, and it's been wonderful. But there's times when I'm just wondering, God, is this a hit or miss kind of Christianity? And there's, there's a conclusion that I've had to come to. And this is the one thing uh, that I've had to settle in my heart. And this is that I know that my God is very faithful and consistent. I just firmly believe that. Even when I am not faithful and consistent. I, ha- I, I just have to come to that conclusion that He's going to be faithful and consistent with me. Even when I am not faithful and consistent. And my unfaithfulness and inconsistency is part of the problem, I think, of why I think prayer or asking or believing God is sometimes a mystery. Because uh, the truth is that He's totally faithful. I've discovered this, that He doesn't change. God's not concerned. God doesn't get out of the wrong side of bed in the morning. I can. Uh, Love has never diminished. His strength never wavers. His plan has never altered. He has never had a regret or a second thought. He's never gotten tired. And when you pray, you'll never catch him in a cranky mood. Amen. You cannot exhaust his grace. Your activity has no influence on his emotions. You don't cause his love to ebb and flow. You don't wear him out. And you don't exhaust his patience. Isn't that wonderful? That's our God. He is consistent. So if, I, if my God is unchanging in how he deals with me, then, then you and I need to see that possibly the problem is my inconsistency. If he's consistent, it's my inconsistency. And that's the thing, if anything, that has a tendency to hinder or interrupt my relationship with him. I'm not here to bag us out. I'm just here to encourage us this morning that, I, uh, that God understands these things. Um, I'm just so God didn't, God didn't give up on you, Dave, hey? When you said, blow you, God, I've got a wife, I've got a girlfriend, a car, and a, and a job. That's all I need. God would have every right sometimes to say, well, that's okay. I'll, I don't need you either. But he's never said that. He always says, you're my child. What an incredible God. You know, so th- if this means that there's an inconsistency on my part, this means I couldn't really ever expect to understand how he operates or how he would guide me or how he would answer me or communicate with me if I'm in that area that I'm not consistent, but he is. How could I ever expect sometimes to understand if I don't put myself in a position to understand or be guided or directed or answered? Because the Bible actually says this, if I draw near to him, he'll run away from me. Is that right? Now, if I draw near to him, he will draw near to me. That's the kind of God he is. He, he, he actually wants to... He, I think God just... I think God does... Um, he, Revelation 3.20, he does stand at the door and knock. He does wait for us to open the door. And he says, I will come in, but you've got to open the door. I will draw near to you if you'll just open the door. See, and and in this passage of Scripture this morning, Jesus says there's three ways that we can communicate with Him and have a relationship with Him. Um, And the above Scripture is so simple on the surface that we've got to be careful of of danger of failing to recognize the truth of such a great verse. And it just says three things. It says that you can ask, you can seek, and you can knock. And these three words cover the whole spectrum of a healthy relationship with God. I want to show you this morning how that happens. whole spectrum of healthy relationship. 
In actual fact, those three words, if you would just drill down a little bit in your thought processes, you'd find that those three words, ask, seek, and knock, are actually a healthy, a wonderful way to conduct any relationship that you have. And we'll talk about that. So let's look at how we can see our prayers answered. God, be able to hear God's guidance, be able to have God's direction in life, how to recognize His leadings in life. Let's see how we can do that simply uh, from these three simple principles and, uh, that He has placed in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 to 11. And the first one is really simple. Good relationship with God or our ability to hear, our ability to understand, ability to see things answered, really is about asking and receiving. You may say, well, that's not too difficult. Well, for something that isn't too difficult, it seems to be sometimes not really done very much. <laughs> you know, my relationship with Michelle is based upon a relationship of asking and receiving. It's an intimate part of our relationship. It has to be for any good, healthy relationship. Would you agree? Ask, you receive. Um, Michelle will often ask me uh, at the start of the week sometimes, she'll say, hey, what would you like this week to eat for dinner? And I reckon that's a great question to a man. And I usually give her a couple ideas. And she says, okay. It says, and, and often, more than not, she'll put them into the menu. You know, satay chicken, yeah, you know, uh, filet de mon, you know, whatever it, whatever it is. amazing. She's this incredible cook. So she'll put them into the uh, menu, and I'm just like, I really appreciate that. See, she, she asked me. I give her an answer. Uh, I, I ask of her. Then I said, well, can you do this? And can you do that? And she says, yeah, I think we can handle that this week. And there's this to and froing of asking, and, and then I receive. And then I ask of her. And she asks of me, and I give to her, and she receives. Um, I like that process. It's a basic part of a relationship. Would you agree? You can't exist. You can't exist without it. Um, the, the trouble has come when I assume she knows what I'm thinking. Yeah, you guys don't laugh. Every male thinks that. Doesn't my wife know what I want? Well, no, she doesn't, dummy, until you ask. You know, the assumption can be, well, she knows. She knows. Uh, but I've discovered assumption breaks down relationship. Because I can take for granted that my wife should know without asking her, what's wrong with this woman? Haven't they got this thing called intuition? <laughs> See, relationships are starting to break down. And you know, I want to say this, we can do the same with God. We can assume that He knows. Can't He see my need? Well, yes, He can. Doesn't He know I've got a problem? Yes, He does. And we can assume that He knows, or we can assume that, that, he, that maybe, you know, um, we can not bother to invest time to, uh, to, to ever, you know, ask Him. We can just assume. And the trouble is, is that sometimes we, we, we don't invest any time in the process of just simply taking the time to actually not stop assuming and like my wife and say, Honey, I, I thought you were going to wash the car. How come you didn't? I'll just ask. She doesn't actually do that. I usually do it. But, you know, this, the assuming doesn't get us anywhere. It's got to be that we actually ask. And sometimes there's... With God, it's not just assuming that's the problem. We just, we, we just don't bother to ask. We just leave it out altogether. Sometimes I've discovered I don't even let God on the radar of my needs uh, because I'm just too busy caught up with the problem. And that's when we've got to just take a moment to say, hey, he's interested in me. See, um, 
the writer of the book of James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, what? Let him ask of God, who gives freely. Oh my goodness, how much wisdom? We don't just need knowledge, church. Knowledge is just a lot of head, it's good stuff, but wisdom is applying the knowledge. It means we've got to ask. God says, I can give that to you. There's a lot of people who haven't got a lot of intellect in this world, but they're incredibly good, amazing people because they have wisdom. And we can find that from God. God says, ask and you shall receive wisdom. See, one of the reasons for unanswered prayers is because we don't bother to ask. And the Bible clearly states that we have not because we ask not. In actual fact, it says, isn't this the truth? He also says we ask amiss. And the interesting thing about the word amiss is it also means it's asking with no desire. No desire. And I've discovered that if I have a desire, I'll ask. I, I always remember when I was a young boy, I'd sit around my mum and dad's table and uh, just once or twice a week, not every night of the week, she'd make dessert. Not only a main meal, but a dessert. And my mum made incredible... You can see my life rotates around food. Don't, don't hassle about that. Um, but um, she made incredible desserts once or twice a week. And, you know, I would always ask, can I have a second helping? It wasn't a question for me. It's always going to be a question. I mean, before I even touched the first bowl, I was already thinking about the second. <laughs> I was already there. And so I would always ask, you know, Mum, can I have another helping of that? And sometimes she would give it to me and sometimes she wouldn't uh, because uh, mums just do that. (laughs) Uh, I think it's got something to do with you don't need a second bowl. You know, the truth is I'd ask even if I was full because it tasted so good. I'm always going to ask. But, you know, I discovered something that my mum actually got to the point where she knew I was always going to ask for a second bowl. She knew it. But you know what? Because of desire, I never waited for her to assume or just sit there "Mm," like a puppy with its, you know, give me a second. No, I would always ask because I always had a desire. Come on, you know what I'm saying? And sometimes we don't ask, it's because we've got no desire. And God would just, come on. Sometimes when the need gets greater, then we have a desire. Uh, But why not? Why wait till the problem becomes so bad? That then you seek God or ask Him. I've always asked. The thing that motivated me was to ask. And you know what? God knows that you want the second bowl. He knows you want it even before you ask. But don't be pulled into the trap of saying, well, if God knows, I don't have to ask. Because God only responds to desire. And desire was only shown through asking. God always responds to the desire, and our asking shows us the desire of our heart. That's why God asks us to ask Him. I believe that we can forfeit answers that God has because we never bothered to ask. Uh, there's a man in the Bible called Bartimaeus. He was blind. Actually, he was born blind. His whole life was spent there in the cities of Jerusalem, sitting, begging for food or money. There's a crowd of people. Jesus is walking down the street, one of the streets in Jerusalem this day. There's a crowd of people thronging Jesus. Bartimaeus has heard about Jesus. He's heard that Jesus heals. He's been blind since birth. Do you think this guy's got a need? I think so. And, and he yells out, Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me. The crowd say, shut up. He doesn't want to know about you. He is more determined. He screams at the top of his lungs, Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me. Jesus hears this guy. 
And he says, come, to, come here. Maybe the crowd was too thick that Jesus couldn't reach him. But then again, it was, you know, I think Jesus is looking for a response. And the, the Bartimaeus walks up to Jesus. He says, what do you want? Duh. <laughs> Bartimaeus could have said, I'm really, I'm blind. <laughs> Can't you? No, he just says, what do you say? I want to see. Why does Jesus do that? Why does he make a man who's totally blind, maybe walk 25 metres through a crowd and then ask him what he wants? Because he wants to see a desire. He wants to know if you're going to ask. And then if that wasn't enough, he gets spit on the dirt, mix it in mud, puts it on his face, on his eyeballs. What a great picture. And then, you know, he could have at least washed it off and the man could see. No, Jesus didn't do that. He says, go and walk to the Pool of Shalom. Literally, if you go and... Because this, from the temple to the Pool of Shalom, is about three quarters of a kilometre. Not kilogram. <laughs> kilometre. And it's 750 metres to the Pool of Shalom. Jesus could have healed him right there. Why does he say, walk to the Pool of Shalom, wash in your eye and you'll see? The man, I love the man's attitude. He doesn't get upset. He doesn't get annoyed. Some of us may say, oh, Jesus, just, you know, what do you want me to do? He could have said, how embarrassing. You want me to walk through a crowded Jerusalem street with mud on my face and I can't see and you expect me to find the pool of shalom. I've never seen the pool of shalom, let alone go to it. No, he didn't do that. He went there, he washed and he could see. What is God looking for in your life? He's looking for a desire. Have you got a desire this morning? Could you ask? Because you've got some great needs. Jesus. Jesus' response to the desire of people. Jesus responds to the desire of people, not the circumstances of people. He doesn't look at your circumstance and all of a sudden, oh, I'm just going to fix that up. No, he looks for the desire within your circumstance that you have in your heart. Can you understand that? We have circumstances that I've discovered that I have done this. I don't turn them into uh, requests to God. I turn them into anxieties or worries or concerns. Now, um, we might still have that, but could you just turn them into requests? Turn them into ask? Whatever happened to ask and you shall receive? See, I love our God. He says in Psalm 34, um, Sorry, that's James, if you lack wisdom. But Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And you know, as I was preparing this message this week, I just had sense that, you know, there's possibly just several people today that have just know what that verse means because you're living it or you have lived it. And there's been a brokenness in your heart. There's been a disappointment. There's been a discouragement. Well, this morning, I'd love to pray with you today because um, not that my prayer is any greater than yours, but just to stand and say, we're going to just, because God, Jesus proclaimed back in the Gospels that I've come for the broken heart. I've come for those to restore sight to the blind. Amen? That's what he came for. He came for the, those, well, all of us. And we've all experienced elements where we've been broken. And the amazing thing about our Heavenly Father is that when we pray to him, he hears us. And especially in those times when we're just saying, God, I've been disappointed. I've been discouraged. And we do because we're human and we live in a world that isn't nice sometimes. But I love it because 
God, in the brokenness of life, I, I find that God takes broken things and that's the opportunity for Him to do amazing things. You know, it takes broken things. It takes broken soil uh, to produce a crop of wheat, doesn't it? It, it takes broken clouds to give rain, to, to nurture that wheat and let it grow. It takes broken grain to give bread. It takes broken bread to give strength to, and sustenance. If Jesus, see, in, in the very natural course of life and those natural things, brokenness can be a wonderful thing. And Jesus says, I come to the brokenhearted and I want you just to ask me. And man, I'm there. I'm there. Second thing about this uh, verse in Matthew chapter 7 is that he says, he says not only uh, asking will be given, but he says, come on, seek and you will, come on, find. He says, seek and you'll find. Willing to seek. You know, if I was just to draw back to my analogy in regards to my relationship with my wife, I've, I've discovered eventually as a husband that I continually need to seek ways to, do, to make my marriage even better than it was yesterday. If I want to have a healthy relationship with anybody, really, it's always good to seek what you can do to encourage that relationship. And, to do, and if you, there's a relationship that you want, you always will seek things to do, things with those people, or seek to maybe enhance that relationship, or do something positive. And, and I've discovered, it's taken a while as a husband, but I've discovered that there's sometimes that my wife would love me to do things without her asking. Has anybody ever discovered that? Any gentleman? Just me? No, haven't discovered that. You definitely need to be on the altar call. <laughs> you on the marriage? Okay, I'll let you off this time. Um, go into the marriage course. We're having a great marriage course, by the way. Great. Um, but I've discovered that, you know, sometimes Michelle, actually, if I hang up the washing without her asking me to do it, she is really impressed. She, she's impressed. I've discovered there's some things that I need to do without her asking me. And it actually, it, it, I'm learning, I'm seeking out these little things after 28 years of marriage that if I do them, then actual fact it enhances my marriage. If I continue to think in my brain, that's a good thing for a guy, brain thinking. And, you know, if I continue to think that, I can think up all imaginative ways to actually be a, to enhance my relationship with her. Have you ever thought of that? I've actually discovered that flowers, you know, they go down okay with Michelle. So there's always something to seek to enhance the relationship. Uh, and I'm discovering it more and more. And, and you know, actual fact, Proverbs 8.17 says, God, this is talking about God, the writer of this verse. Uh, the wise person who wrote this says, God says this, I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently will find me. We will find him. It's a promise. It's, it is there. And notice the word diligently, uh, because when we seek him diligently, that's talking, that has, um, has this connotation that will be determined about just seeking God out, just to spend time in his presence. You know, one of the greatest things that God desires is you just to be in His presence. That's why worship is so dynamic and so wonderful and, and to give Him praise because He just, it, that's kind of like a seeking and a finding Him, seeking and discovering what God, and when we seek Him and discover Him, we'll often seek and discover His leading, His direction, His guidance for our lives. Um, for years, I wanted to own a Swiss army knife. 
it was one of my passions because in 1985 I went on a missions trip to the Philippines and I had to stop over in Singapore to get to Manila and in the window in the Singapore airport which is just an incredible airport if you've been there and it's even better now 1985 I thought it was good now it's even better and in, in, in 1985 I saw in the window a Swiss army knife who knows what a Swiss army knife is we know what that is could you grab that out of my bag? Honey, I just forgot to put it up here. Um, be careful, it's sharp. <laughs> so for many, many years, I had a passion to find, have a Swiss Army knife. And I wasn't quite sure whether it was... It was um, I didn't, wasn't quite sure whether it was something that was just a luxury, you know. I didn't... I thought maybe God doesn't... Because they cost a lot. They cost a fair bit of money. In those days, it might have cost, you know, like about 100 bucks to have a Swiss Army knife... Um, not the real big one, just the medium-sized one. But anyway, putting all that aside, I decided for about eight or nine years, and I never told anybody except Michelle, but my, my wonderful wife told my father-in-law, she's an incredible giver, and one Christmas, I opened up the box, and here was a Swiss army knife. I had a Swiss army knife. I was excited. After so much desire in my heart, I finally had it. And you know, it was interesting because that day was a good day and then it turned into a really bad day because what happened is that the day that I got my Swiss army knife is the day I lost it. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Eight years of desiring it and I lose it. I get it and lose it in the same 24-hour period. Folks, I... I, I it would be an understatement to say that I was determined to find it. I looked through all the wrapping paper. I looked in the bin. I, even that day, remembering I walked into the garden, I thought it slipped out, might have slipped out of my pocket. I searched the garden. I ripped up plants trying to find this stupid thing. I couldn't find it. Months passed. I was still, every month, I'd have this thought, where is this? I'd go searching in another spot. I literally looked in every part of my house for that Swiss Army knife. Twelve months passed, I still couldn't find the stupid thing. A year and a half, I'm still thinking, where was that Swiss? There wouldn't be a month go past. I thought, where could that Swiss army? It just, it was such, because I desired it so much, and then I lost it in the same period of time. Man, I was, it, was a, it was a bit of a heartache to me. Two years to the day, nearly, I got a phone call from my wonderful father-in-law, Alf. He says, I found it! I said, what did you find? I'd kind of forgotten what he... He says, I found your Swiss army knife. I said, where was it? He said, it was in my luggage. <laughs> I said, how did it get there? He says, well, obviously on the day of Christmas, when all the presents have been opened, all the Christmas papers everywhere, it's fallen off the couch armchair, arm, and it's fallen into my piece of luggage, and I've taken it home with me. I haven't opened that luggage for two years. <laughs> and, and I opened it up, and there's the Swiss army knife, and here it is. It's a Swiss army knife. So they're incredible items. We'll put that one down, but it's incredible items. They're wonderful. They've got all types of things. Corkscrews. It's got a pair of tweezers. I mean, to be honest, what could you do with that? But, um, but it's got it. It's got, it's got what I think is a toothpick. I mean, what would you do with that? But anyway, I, it's got it. I, I thought it was pretty good. So it, how much more, you know, since I've found this, and I've had it now for about 15 years, and I know where it is every hour of the day. <laughs> It sits on my desk. If it's not on my desk, it's in my pocket. It's, that's only two places. So if anybody takes it, I know. <laughs> so I'm just saying the passion for it is now enhanced because 
I so diligently wanted it. I received it. I lost it. I so diligently wanted to find it again. And I want to say this morning, have you lost that, even that which God has given you? And that maybe that first love for him, that passion for him. And has it become just a part of life instead of your life? And God just says, if you seek me, you will find me and diligently. The reality is, is that the, the very fact that we have to seek means that he's not going to lay it on a platter for us. Do you know what I'm saying? Because I've discovered when something isn't just laid out for you, you really have a passion to keep it and protect and look after it when you do find it. My pocket knife. Seeking builds a passion to find. And why would God do that? Because he wants you to have a passion uh, for him and his purposes for your life. Because he ultimately knows the best plan and purpose. See, seeking is not overcoming God's reluctance, okay? It's not try- overcoming his reluctance. It's laying hold of his highest willingness. Here's a, remember in Matthew 7, verse 7, it says that he, uh, in verse 11, he says he wants to give you good gifts. He's not trying to hold back from you. He wants to give you good gifts. He wants to enable you to live life to the fullest. He wants the best for you. Um, it's an interesting thought, but in those, I've discovered something about God. In those times of seeking uh, uh, for answers or seeking direction, it's not so much about me getting what I want, but it's about me discovering what He wants me to have. I'll say it again, it's not so much sometimes about me in that seeking for him or seeking guidance. It's not so much about me wanting, I'm getting what I want, but it's about him giving me, discovering what he wants me to have. And because that's what happens when I seek him. Some of those things that I think I need sometimes fall away and I realize they're not really that big a deal. And God says, this is what you really need to desire. It just says a wonderful verse that many of us have read many times. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your, what? Heart. And some of you heard me say this statement before, but I used to think it was this way. God, give me the desires of my heart and I'll be delighted. But it's no, delight yourself in him and he'll give you the desire. So I discovered that the more I delight in him, it's interesting that the more I discover what his plans are for me and what he really wants me to have. Uh, the word, uh, actually the word seek in Matthew chapter 7 verse 7 is actually connected to another English word through the um, Greek and it means to worship. Isn't that interesting? Uh, so seek can mean to worship and that's what worship, that's what seeking is. It's when worship is giving so much time to seeking something and assigning your admiration to that thing that you end up with a passion to have it. And that's what worship is. And we, I, I'll be honest, I've probably worshipped things I shouldn't have worshipped in my life. Things that just haven't been good. I've probably worshipped cars in my past. I think I'm over that now. It's fine. Um, I think in the, in the past I've worshipped, um, uh, maybe sometime in my life I worshipped money. I, I believe that's dealt with. I just always got to be careful it doesn't pop its head up. Uh, I often just keep money in its right place by being a giver. I think that's the best place to keep money, <laughs> always flowing through my hands and not to my hands. Um, just to my hands. So, so seeking is a form of worship and just discovering. So let's, let's just take a moment to look at the third one. Is that okay? So not only do we ask and receive, do we seek and find, but we'll knock and what? It'll be opened, okay? So 
the desire to knock on new doors of opportunity. Knocking is realizing that often the reason we're knocking is because there's some obstacle in our way. And, and if we didn't have to knock, uh, we wouldn't have to knock if there was no obstacle, if there was no door that was shut or there was no door that was locked or there was something that was there in our way. And often I, I've discovered that uh, knocking is, is things that I need, uh, not just a knock, but just a knock out of the road. And often that just isn't a physical thing because knocking... Um, Knocking is when we take the time to say, God, this seems impossible, but in the natural, you're the God of the impossible, so I'm going to trust you that you're going to open this door sometime, in some way. Um, Paul actually said this, he says, Paul was in prison and he wrote to the church at Colossia and he said, pray for us that God would open to us the door for the Word to speak the mysteries of Christ. He said, at the moment... The door isn't open for us to speak here. Where I'm in prison, the door isn't open. But would you pray that God would open the door? Why would Paul bother to pray if he, if he didn't have to open the door? You see, once again, it comes down to, to the desire. Paul says, I have a desire to speak the words of Christ to these people in prison and, the, and all the, the community here, but that door's not open at the moment. Let's pray that God will open the door. Does that mean God, God's trying to hold things back from us? No, no, no. It's just that He's looking for you to do something in response to see something come to pass. He's looking for a desire. He's looking for a passion. If every door was open to me, I tell you what, I'd become one spoiled Christian child to my Heavenly Father. Everything laid on the platter. Come on. It's, it's a pushing through. Jesus actually says, I stand at the door, as I said in, before Revelation 3, when I stand at the door and knock, and he who opens the door, I will come into him and I'll have a meal with him, which is equivalent of Jesus saying, I want to build relationship, because in Israel's day, that's how they built relationship with people, was around the meal table. And Jesus is saying, I want you to open the door of your heart so I can build relationship with you. That's why I knock on the door. And the same thing is, if we would knock on the door of faith, uh, and ask for, God, would you do something that's beyond my ability, because you've got to do it. It's, it's a, in the faith realm, it's in the impossibility realm. Pastor Ian Jack didn't kneel at the base of David's bed, because he assumed that God was going to heal his son and bring him back to God. He kneeled because he was going to say, God, I'm going to open this door. I'm going to knock until you open it. And I'm not going to give up. And we got to know that. Jesus said to a man who was born blind, uh, uh, he said, go to the pool of Shalom, remember? Uh, come on, Jesus said, you know, you're going to have to do something about this. You're going to have to walk down to the pool of Shalom. We're going to have to knock. We're going to have to do something. We're going to have to knock and say, God, I'm, a little, I'm getting a little bit desperate here. I just, I'm going to ask you. And when it doesn't happen the first time, I'm going to ask you again. And, and if it's a good thing, folks, uh, you can be assured that it would be God's will. It's God's will for your loved ones to come to Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? It's God's will uh, for you to have healing in your body. It's God's will for all your, your kids to come back to Jesus or to come. It's God's will. So they're good things. Um, it's God's will for relationships to be restored. It's God's will for you to be blessed it, it, and so that you can pass on the blessing. It's God's will, isn't it? Um, this week, 
I've discovered what knocking is all about again. It's been refreshed in my mind. And I think God has a way of sometimes just continually um, training and teaching me and reminding me. Because uh, I've learned this lesson before, but I learned it again this week. I, I started um, the last fortnight, I've, I've had more intense pain in my left side, lower right teeth. And I've been trying to work out what it is. And because I just went to the dentist six months ago and and everything's been great. And, and I've been cleaning my teeth diligently because if you didn't know, Michelle is a dental therapist and she knows when you don't clean your teeth. <laughs> that was her past occupation many years ago. And so I, I've been very diligent cleaning my teeth and making sure. And so I'm wondering why I've got this pain. I, I, I think it's um, old people's syndrome. Um, I've got sensitive teeth. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? And Forgive me, I put my same self in the boat, old people. Is that okay? Older, is that better? Righto. <laughs> so what happens is the enamel on your teeth wears away, and so the nerves gets close to the surface of the tooth, and you feel it hot and cold. And so for the last two weeks, I've had a little bit more intense pain than normal. I could live with it. Anyway, I did go to the dentist, and she really couldn't work it out, but she did try and appease me. She filled a little filling sheath. And all good, she's a lovely dentist and she's done a great job. But I've still had, still had the pain after the dentist. Don't say that to her or tell her. But that's the reality because I know it's really sensitivity. So what do I do? I say, God, <laughs> I, mean, I need this pain dealt with. And so um, what's happening is even when I haven't, so I've prayed and I believed and the pain went like that. And I thought, God, that's brilliant. But I knew that it was a test because... Even when I wasn't eating or drinking, I, the pain would come back for an intense 30 seconds. I'm thinking, well, I haven't done anything here to, to warrant this pain and this sensitivity. So once again, I, I, I realized that I just had to knock on the door of faith again. And I say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I've already prayed for this. So I'm thanking you for the healing. And you know, it went again. <laughs> and then I, I found about five times this week, the pain has returned. And God says, just keep knocking. I'm just building something in your life. I'm saying it's very painful, this building faith in my life. <laughs> Today, I haven't got any pain. I haven't had pain for 24 hours now. I'm hoping the test is over. <laughs> but you know, the reality is, what am I trying to say? Is I'm trying to say that there's a continual knocking. Don't give up when you don't get the answers you want straight away, folks. I tell you, God wants to build desire and passion in your heart. Just keep asking. Just keep seeking. Just keep knocking. Is that Okay. God wants to do something. Hey, can we have the musicians? That'd be brilliant. Thanks, team. I felt very prompted this morning that as a church that we need to stand and believe for our children. Is that okay? I felt just as Dave was sharing, I just felt that's what we need to really pray about. I love the parents who are believing for their kids. And I'm not just saying kids who maybe have walked away from God. I'm saying if your children aren't with the Lord, but you just want to continue to see God's purpose unfold in their life, I'd love to just us to stand and pray with you today. Is that fine? Can we stand together? Um. For some of us um, this morning, not only just, um, I, I just love us to pray and stand and believe for kids, but if we do it today, would you do it tomorrow again? Would you do it the day after that as well? Would you pray again? I've discovered one of the secrets of being a dad with three girls is that 
if I prayed every day, it was building, it was like putting layer upon layer upon layer upon their lives. And as I built, prayed, it was like prayer just layered them with the, the greatness of God and the goodness of God and their understanding of that. And the more I did it, the more that their purpose has come to be fulfilled in their lives. That's the concept I got. It might be naive or it might be a bit crude, but it's the reality as we pray and believe. And so I, I just, maybe today it's, to be honest, it's um, if there's people today that are just that brokenheartedness or just that disappointment in life or that things discourage them, I'd love to just pray with you this morning too. Just stand with you by faith. I don't need to know what it is, but we just need to stand together and start the process of just asking and you shall receive. And when you get up tomorrow, can you just thank him again for what he's gonna, he's, we've already asked him for? If it's a good thing, just thank him. And every time you get reminded and you get anxious and you get worried, would you just continue to thank him? Say, God, I just thank you. I don't see the answers, but I do see. Because one day your kid might come and be, maybe, and Dave, forgive me, but it might be a David Jack who comes and sits in a church and serves and preaches and purposes and loves God and sees people come to Christ. And he himself was just a little devil in the past. <laughs> There's a testimony to a praying parent. I find that incredibly encouraging. And maybe your brokenheartedness is not over your children, but something else. I'd love to just stand. Could we just have a moment and we'll, we'll close? Uh, but I'd love to just us to come. Could I have the parents this morning who just want us to, to stand together for their kids? It doesn't mean your kids are really bad. It just maybe you just want to continue to see God's purposes fulfilled. Can, we, can you just come and we'll stand together? We'll just take a moment to believe together. Holy Ghost is here. He just wants us to stand. Now, for every parent today that's out here, or maybe you come if there's, a, there's some element of brokenheartedness too. This is where the body of Christ needs to operate and work together. I love you folk to come and just stand behind them. Is that okay? Come and put a hand. Come on. You might say, oh, who am I? Come on. You just come and stand with them. Come on. Just come. It, it, you, you might be new. You don't have to do anything else, but just put your hand on their shoulder and agree. Be supportive. Maybe you've got to put it on too. Come on. Come on. You guys come. You guys come too. Come and pray for us. Some of you guys have got great families. Some of your family situations are quite good, as I said. Some are quite, quite difficult, and, and, and there is a broken heartedness over that. But we're just going to agree right now. Come on, let's just for a moment just lift our hearts. We worship you, Lord. We praise you this morning. We, we Father, don't come and just do a nice little thing. We come and believe that, God, you can do an amazing thing. We come and believe that you do an incredible thing. And God, I think for some of you, you've been praying for years. That's fine. Keep on praying. Maybe for some of you, this is a new beginning again. Don't give up. Come on. Asking, seeking, knocking on that door. So Holy Spirit, you're welcome. Father, if there's a prayer that I'd ask today is that you would encourage the disheartened, that you would... Um, bind up the brokenhearted, 
that you would encourage those who have faced some excruciating pain over their life with what they've faced, not maybe with their children, but also just with circumstances this morning, circumstances that have been beyond their control in some situations. And Holy Spirit, you say you're close and dear to the brokenhearted, so come and minister better than we can this morning, better than I could ever. Holy Spirit, have your way. And Father, this morning, we would commit our children to you. We would lay them before your throne today. For the, husband, for the, the, the man, the woman, even those children who are married and have their own children, um, Father, today, for those who are estranged from us, for those who may be even close to us, but we would agree and pray that, Father, your hand would be upon them and that your love would fly under the radar because sometimes they've got so much religion that they can't, that they really, really get defensive against church. So your love would fly under the radar and actually hit them in the heart because people in, in, the, in the Christian community would just love them. Father, that's what we ask for in Jesus' name. Father, for those kids who have grown up in church and now divorced themselves from the body of Christ or from God, Father, touch their hearts. Touch their hearts with the love of God. I ask and believe for that in Jesus' name. And Father, we thank you this morning. Now, for those of our children that are doing well, but they're not quite sure of the future. We pray, Father, would you help them to know direction and guidance? Would you help our kids, Lord, not to make bad decisions, but to make good decisions about their partners in the future? Father, help them to make good decisions about who they'd marry and who they'd attach themselves to. Father, I pray for our kids that, Lord, even when sometimes they're guilty, they'll be caught because then they know that they can't get away with stuff that would destroy them. Father, I pray, Father, that your hand would literally be upon them and that, Father, they'd be drawn back to the truth and the truth would set them free and give them purpose and direction in Jesus' name. And this is what we agree for this morning in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Father, we pray for those who are brokenhearted because of other things this morning. Holy Spirit, I ask, you say and you promise you're close to the brokenhearted. We ask today that you would minister into their needs. Some of you are brokenhearted because of broken relationships. God, we just want to tell you today that he sees that. And as you would just deliver that up to him, not allow anxiety or stress or pressure to, to rule and reign, but to deliver it to him that he can put his hand upon that relationship and he can turn it around for good. Some of us are brokenhearted because things that have been promised to us have never been delivered. Some of us are brokenhearted because Christians haven't lived up to maybe what you thought they should live up to and they've kind of hurt you. Well, today God says, hey, come on, I'll take that brokenness. And may it be known to you that your Heavenly Father is always consistent and always present and always faithful to you, even when other people and even other Christians aren't. In Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, minister, minister, minister. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Come on, this is for a moment. This is worship. Thank you. Can we just, just thank you, Kate. Yes, Lord. Just for a moment. We just thank you, Father. We worship you.
Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. The King of Glory, the King above all King. Yes, Lord. It's amazing. This is unfailing love. Thank you for your unfailing love, Lord. Take my place. That we were dead, my. Yes, Lord. You will lay down your life. That we would be set free. Thank you, Lord, for freedom of our children, Lord, our lives. Yes, Lord, Jesus, I lead for all that you've done for me. This is amazing grace. Thank you, Lord. We're going we're gonna to close in a moment. And I just, you'll forgive me if I, if I don't catch everybody and pray, but Ronnie and Pam, I just want you to know that your latter days will be better than your former. In relation to your kids, if there's, if there's one prayer I've prayed for years and cried, like you've cried more than me, but over your kids, it's, I certainly have. But I just want you to know the Lord would speak today and he just would say this, your latter days will be better than your former. And you might say in the natural, how could that ever happen? But I tell you, our God is faithful. And there's two couple, there's a couple in this church that I just see incredible resilience. It's you guys. And God is faithful. And he's going to undergird you. He's going to be your strength. And he's going to be your encouragement. And what you face, he just wants you to know in relation to those kids, the latter will be better than the former. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We just believe for it. Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for your incredible love for us. We thank you for your mercy to us. We thank you, Father, that today for some of us, it, it, we're just going to continue to do what we've been doing for quite a while and just continue to seek, continue to knock, and continue to ask. But for some of us, it's a new day because we're going to start the process of continuing and, Lord, believing in Jesus' name. And would you agree with me on that? Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's have a wonderful day. Let's